This is the Truth Warrior Podcast with your host, David Whitehead. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Truth Warrior. Happy to be with you on this Friday, November 17th, 2023. And I hope you find yourself well wherever you are watching this. And today we are going to be continuing looking at some of the themes that I've broken down in my latest chapter of Cult of the Medics called The Overseers, which you can now get for free. You can watch it for free right now. You can download it. You can re-upload it. You can go and get it right now over at cultofthemedics.com. Please go check it out. And if you've watched it, you'll know that at the end, I have a section dedicated to the work of the great Nathaniel Brandon, one of my personal heroes. And he's got a section called the psychology of dependence. <clears throat> and this is going to be what we're focusing on. And it's really, really key to understanding where we're at as a society, as a civilization, as everything is seemingly melting down around us. Where did the meltdown start? Did it start with our banking institutions, our governments, our media, education system, medical system, legal system? Did, did the meltdown start there? Well, what are those systems made up of? They're made up of people that are organizing for various goals, agendas, mandates, enterprises. And so we have to look at the psyche behind it. We have to look at the thinking behind it and understand the way manipulation can occur when the knowledge of what I'm going to break down to you today is known by the people who are in power. And this is key. And this is why I ended that chapter with it. So not too many spoilers if you still haven't seen it yet, chapter 10, but uh, I do recommend you check it out in, in line with this episode. And you can also go and look at another episode I did recently where I did a whole breakdown, sort of an overview of chapter 10. You can get some good stuff in there as well. But today focusing on something that I could do a multi-part series on this one. <laughs> But I think I'll be able to squeeze it in in a couple hours here today. So hope you guys get comfortable and get your notepads out. And just feel free to relax and think about this yourself. Everything I'm going to talk to you about today is provable in your own life experience, in your own personal observations of yourself, of people around you, of world events. And it might help to explain a few things. That's the entire goal of why I'm doing this. So I hope it helps you. I hope it gives you some insight as it does done me. I've got uh, some great quotes also to go through and dissect with you from some other thinkers as well on this subject. But I want to just dive right in um, to the meat of this in this section at the end of this chapter. And you know what, maybe before I do, let me just give you a couple updates on what's been going on. I had a really good interview last week. I hope you guys saw it with Todd Harris, who's another filmmaker in the field. He's doing a new documentary series called The Big Picture. We talked about it. I actually got to meet up with him after. I went to a little potluck gathering. I was very grateful to the people that organized that locally. They brought me in to do a little talk on Chapter 10 and uh, was received rather well. And so Todd came down to check it out with me and he and I had a really good chat on the way up and what a great guy. We're in line on so many different things. And it's just good to see that there's good content creators out there that are 
dedicated to get their piece of the puzzle out, get the information that they have to share out to the public. So make sure to support all of us or support independent media as it is currently being put to the side, censored and uh, totally pushed out of the view of the vast majority of the public. Please help us by sharing these links, sharing our shows, sharing our work, our websites, like the video, uh, subscribe to the channels. If you're watching on Rumble or Rockfin or DLive, Twitch, wherever you're watching this today and uh, leave a comment. And that really helps us with the algorithms. That's really important so we can get this work out. And what else have I been doing lately? Over on Unslaved, just released an episode that will be very relevant to a lot of things going on. Um, you can go and check it out, unslaved.com. Getting into the history of something called Islamo-communism. Might be a new term for some of you out there, but it's a, it's a doozy. We've done work on this in the past on Unslaved. And so we just released a really good interview on that. And then we have part two, for those of us, who, for those of you following on Unslaved, we did an episode a while back called The Princes of Light. And we were analyzing masonry. We we're getting into the top level of it. Where did it all come from? What are the origins of it really? How do we look at that subject and wade through the weeds of all the opinions out there about that subject? And how do we get to the facts? How do we get to the source material? How do we actually know what's really going on with it? So that's that series. And we're about to do part two next week for Unslaved. So I'm really excited about that one. That's going to be really cool. So yeah, you can go get that all at unslave.com. If you would like to support this work that I'm doing in any other way than just sharing it, you can go and support my amazing sponsor, Rise Attire. You can get that at my website, dwtruthwear.com. You can get it at cultofmedics.com. It's plastered all over the place. Uh, every purchase you make supports this show, supports good other content creators as well. And that's really helpful. You can subscribe to my Truth Warrior Premium, which I've got some new ones in the works for you. It's a few bucks a month and I do deep dives similar to what I'm doing now, but we go a lot deeper. I pull out lists, lists of books and sources that I have at my disposal and we just go through it and we look at the subjects that we all know and love. Maybe some of them are new, but we try to get different perspectives on them. And so that's what the premium section is all about. It also helps pay for the party. So it's really important to help support in that way if you can and if you find value in it. And uh, I promise I'll spoil you rotten over there with good content. And then also, if you'd like to just leave a donation, you can get that at cultofemedics.com forward slash donate, uh, or you can just fire a tip into Rumble or Rockfin or whatever if, uh, if that suits you. But the main thing is, guys, make sure to help me share this information as far and wide as possible. It helps more than you can possibly know. So now all that housekeeping is out of the way. Let's get into this. So <clears throat> before I start reading the quote, so I have, there's a presentation that you can get. See, you, there was a book written by Nathaniel Brandon. It's like 10 pages or something called The Psychology of Dependence. And it's sort of a breakdown of a speech that he gave. It was just a couple hours. He gave the speech in 1968. And what I did was just take out a few clips of it in chapter 10 and I'll put some music and some images to it to help explain it. I thought this, this section turned out really well. I really loved how it turned out. Um, but the whole thing, if you listen to it start to finish, you're going to get some insight into the dynamics of the master and the slave. And I'm using those as like big terms 
this can happen. The master-slave dynamic, as it's known in psychology, is and his philosophy as well, uh, is something that applies to both your individual experience with the relationships that you have with your friends, your family, your coworkers, the people in your lives. And then it extrapolates out to the larger world, the government, the relationship we have with government, which is very dysfunctional and abusive at the moment, wouldn't you say? Uh, the relationship we have with other cultures and ideas, even relationships with other ideas or competing ideas or different ideas. There's a master-slave dynamic that's happening at all times in the background of our psyche. And if we don't understand how this mechanism works, we're at a disadvantage in this war. That's why we do this. This isn't just about covering a subject that's interesting. It's vastly interesting, but it's relevant to why we are being enslaved now, why the world is heading in the direction that it's heading, which doesn't look good. If we're moving towards a World War III conflict on the big geopolitical stage, whether by hook or by crook, whether by manipulation or by a relationship that's going on between us, the average folks, just trying to get along in life, and those trying to run the grand chessboard, the architects, there's a relationship between those two forces. It's not just as easy as going, let's point at all the tyrants, let's point at all the dictators, and let's point at all the evildoers, right? It's not as simple as that. Those evildoers, as I've said many times, and we talked about this a lot on the Unslaved podcast, those evildoers, those dictators, those tyrants, those cult leaders are a product of the roots of the problem, which is what we're getting into here, which is the psychology of dependence. Because without our dependence on them, they wouldn't be in business, would they? John of God, Walter Applewhite, Jim Jones, Robert de Grimston, any of them, Charles Manson, none of them would have been successful in creating their cults and attracting followers and abusing them the order of the solar temple wouldn't have gotten away with mass ritual murder and suicide if they if their adherents weren't in a state of psychological dependence if they weren't intellectually sovereign um because we're going to be talking about intellectual sovereignty which is absolutely crucial to know about if you want to have some solid weapons in this war And if the whole picture, and then we can get to the political tyrants, you know, the whole thing, right? The faces of evil as they express themselves in this world. And evil to me is, it's opposing truth, it's opposing freedom, and it's opposing justice. That's what evil is. That's what criminals are. The psychology of a serial killer, the psychology of a mass murdering psychopath, the psychology of a dictator, we're going to get into that. That's fascinating. But to me... And this is what we've been talking about since 2016 on the Unslaved podcast in Michael's research and the work he's been doing. The fascination isn't just with the dictators and the wannabe dictators like what we got in Canada here. Uh, it's about the people that keep voting them in and clapping for them and cheering for them and hoping for them and wishing for them and bringing them into existence, giving the support to them the blind support and obedience. Why though? Why do we keep 
running on this hamster wheel. We get rid of one tyrant, a week later, we install another one. I mean, that's history, isn't it? If it wasn't history, we wouldn't be in this mess right now. So we're living in the times that prove what I'm talking about. It's right in your face. And I hope I can say some things today and share some amazing wisdom that's been passed to us from greater minds than my own and some of the greatest thinkers on this subject you can imagine who studied this meticulously under gunfire from, you know, metaphorically speaking and sometimes literally speaking uh, from the forces that work in the society of their day. We're going to listen. We're going to see if there's something in here that's going to give you, it's going to fan your flame of freedom. It's going to fan your curiosity. It's going to motivate you. It's going to give you hope as well. It's not all doom and gloom. It actually is the way out. We said it many times. The way out is in. The way out is within. Jung said it beautifully. Those who look outside themselves sleep. And those who look within awaken. And so let's test it. Forget about whether we believe it to be true. And let's test it. Let's see if it's testable. Let's see if we can observe it and we can prove this out. Because what I'm trying to get to by studying all this stuff is why this evil still haunts us. Why we haven't moved past it. Why humanity, and I'm a part of that. Why we all haven't thrown this off, thrown the chains of slavery off our backs. We think slavery was just a bunch of work in the fields back in the day. It's intellectual slavery. It's psychological slavery. And dare I say spiritual. So if we're going to keep chanting, we want freedom, we want freedom. Do we really? Really? Like, honestly, do you really want it? Do you want all the things that come with it? Do you have the gumption to actually live that and be that? and then maintain it and then fight for it to preserve it against the forces all around you that are against it and hate you for it. The crabs in the bucket that hate that the, the fact that you want to be free and sovereign and think for yourself and chart your own course in this life and write your own fate. How many forces in this world all around you right now would be spitting in your face for even attempting, for even daring to go out and be a self, to be an actual individualized sovereign consciousness truly animated, actualized being. No, nobody wants to do that work. So the fact that you're going to do it, it takes an incredible amount of work to even get into this, the basics of this. <laughs> and you think the people around you are going to support you in this mission of becoming who you are and who you were meant to be and, and actually making some waves in this life? Well, no, everybody's riddled with envy because they're riddled with fear. And do you think the dark side of the forest at the top of the hill doesn't know this thoroughly and do everything in their power to encourage it and fan those flames and suppress those that are teaching you about freedom and what it really is? They've got this nailed. How do I know that? Because they said it again and again and again. Statements from Club of Rome. They're telling you right now with this WEF, they're telling you right now with their commissioned authors and public influencers. They're putting it in the mandates. They're putting it in the rhetoric. We've identified who these people are, what their ideological lineage is, where they come from. And it's all good. And we love looking at the enemy and going, there's an enemy somewhere. Let's identify them and route them out. 
And it comes from a virtue because we want to live a good life and we don't want things obstructing us from that. But I guess I'm always sitting here going with the, the experience I've had now and the, the research I've done now for this amount of time, you start looking and you, and you observe events happening and observe what's going on in the chat rooms, what's going on on social media, just the absolute circus it all is. And what's the point that's missed? This, the psychology of dependence, that's what's missed. It's by, it's missed by everybody. You just, how many people in this movement are talking about this right now? I try, I put a post up for the show. Just the fact that I have the word psychology in the title is already triggering people. They're love giving me lectures about how psychology is just one of those old dogmas. And uh, so just turn your faith to religion and all this. And I went, okay, well, look, here's my basic uh, explanation to those who are going to have some problems looking at psychology. Um, the people that run the world and have, have done for a long freaking time before you were even born, they are interested in psychology. They are extremely interested in it. In fact, they've invested billions of dollars for decades all over the world doing experiments on the human psyche and comparing it to the animals. You've got your Skinner box experiments, Ash experiments, Milgram experiments, MK Ultra mind control, Manchurian candidate creating experiments. How can we subvert the human will and guide it to our aspirations? They write it down. It's in your face. Edward Bernays, we're going to get into it. You think they don't have writers like Edward Bernays at their disposal, the thinkers like that? You think they didn't go and pillage all the work of the real sincere psychologists who were humanitarians, who were trying to find a solution to why human beings can't sit still for five minutes without rolling down the tanks and the cannons and getting the torches going and trying to burn someone out and kill and hack up some other group that's competing with them, that threatens them fighting for some cause or another, going on some crusade or another, and just a bloody massacre over and over again. So these guys are sitting back and they're going, okay, let's, let's try to get to the real root because we've tried everything else. We've tried everything else. We've tried religion for thousands of years. What's happening right now in the Middle East? How's it going? Is it working to bring peace on earth and goodwill to us men? Or, or are we still having some issues with that? Thousands of years. I'm not seeing an improvement. Uh, we've tried thousands of years of political solutions. The political solutions that are expertly crafted for the public square, which I've done a big talk on what the public square is in my show recently called Nazism and the Rise of the New Templars. I get into a whole, I open it up with this thing. So I'll let you go check that out. The public square, the public mind. The crowd consciousness, the mob, the masses. We just lived through 2020 and all the way through to where we are right now. And we're switching the latest things every week now as to what we're supposed to be supporting and what we're supposed to be doing. And you're wondering, everybody's pulling their hair out. I see it all over the place. Why are people so stupid? How are they falling for this yet again? Well, you're not the only voice that thinks that. The greatest minds that have ever graced this planet and dedicated their lives to trying to figure out that exact question have already done 
reams of work that would take you years to go through to try to understand and took their best crack at it. So the least we can do is maybe take a look at it, compare it side by side, add our own contribution to it and see if we can't also help continue this tradition of trying to figure out what it is so we can solve it because we're not, you know, I couldn't believe it. I was at a, at a talk and, you know, I was talking with some people and I started bringing this up and they're all on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant film. It made so much sense. It answered so many questions. I'm like, yeah. So we really got to understand the nature of who we are, the nature of our minds and how we can claim them back, how we can actually achieve intellectual and psychic freedom from the masses who are easily led and brainwashed. And they're like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, so who, who should we vote for in the next election? Should we vote for Pierre Polyev? What do you think? Strategically to get Trudeau out? Should we? And I'm sitting there going, oh, right over the head. Right over the head. Oh, my God. So that's why I'm really glad I can do this show. I'll just put it all in here. It's a take it or leave it thing. I've been harping on this since I started my work. And I've grown more into this because... Uh, I never stopped researching it. I never stopped noticing it. And now it's just blaring from everything I'm seeing. It's the avoidance of facing not just the external reality as it is, the, the state of the world, the real state of the world, not the state of the world we wish it to be, not the uh, superimposed layer of reality that where our mind casts upon and superimposes on top of reality. And then we interpret that as being the true prime reality, which it's not, not that it's also within the, the understanding, you know, kingdom of heaven is where it's within you. Okay. So if we look within, what are we talking about? All right. That includes everything from understanding. If I want to be healthy, I need to know my anatomy. I need to know my biology. I have to understand how my nervous system works, how my vagal system works, how my uh, immune system works. If I understand those things and I have knowledge of how that operates, and then I have knowledge about herbs and food and exercise and what the body needs to stay hot, healthy, then the within can actually be very physical talking about your body. But there's this other within place the kingdom of heaven within what, what do we what do you mean like is there physically an entire like universe inside of me like where there's people walking around and stuff actual beings walking around or is it a is it a metaphor to talk about the the mind the consciousness itself what is consciousness what what is it that animates your mind and gives you this thing called consciousness what is that i've recently been experiencing some deaths in my family just had another one my lovely grandmother, 99 years old, probably could have gone on longer, but I'll just leave it at that. Uh, and you just sit back and you have these experiences and you go, okay, I saw this person just recently and they were full of life. They were animated. I saw the light in their eyes. They recognized me. We had conversations. They were alive. And now where did they go? The corpse they left isn't them. That's just the vehicle they chose to navigate this reality and where did they go? Where did the light of their consciousness go? So then we go, okay, what is that? What is that light, that inner light that animates us? And we, we call it a soul, which we got from naming the sun, what the soul is, you know, and it's light. And we think, okay, it's light. You got all this discussion in the Bible and in ancient literature and scripture about light and you are light, right? And the light of the mind, the light of the body, the light of the soul. 
I did a whole uh, premium on that called the children of light, which you might find interesting, a different kind of decode of that information. But it, it all is relevant because this comes down to where's the will, where, what are you, you know, am I David Whitehead or was that a name I was given by my parents? Am I this body? Well, I am part of this body. This body is mine, right? But there's something else that's animating it and operating behind it. Well, where does it exist? Well, we don't really know the answers definitively to all these questions. We've got a boatload of theories that maybe give us some comfort, but do, what's real, right? But I do know this, you do have a thing called the mind and maybe the mind could be looked at a little bit differently than the physical brain like the way the materialists look at it, which is just a physical hunk of meat in your head that just has all these signals and, you know, it's deterministic, you know, you're a victim to your genetics. That's it. There's no free will. There's no consciousness. There's no light of mind. There's none of that. It's just a, it's just a brain. You're just a bag of meat. You know, that's their perspective, which I thoroughly disagree with. But wherever you sit on it, you could get some value out of the idea that if we have some introspection and we start to analyze our behavior, our patterns of behavior, we understand, yes, there are things that are deterministic. And in fact, maybe determinism and fatalism is a state or condition of being. It's not the only state or condition of being. It's sort of like a default settings. If you just allow the world and all its inputs and all the people around you to be the one that influences you, then yeah, you're determined. You're determined by other forces than your own because you haven't turned that light switch of reason on. You haven't turned the will on. Maybe the will is something you need to activate and grow like a muscle. Maybe that's, that's kind of a way you could look at it. Like anything else, if you don't work on it, it just atrophies. So then Sam Harris and the rest of them, Pinker and all these guys can come in and go, oh yeah, see, there's no will. And then they have some kind of an argument. But the people I'm gonna deal with today have a totally different case to make. And it's important not just to solve age old battles and philosophy like free will and determinism, but to solve the problem of our time, which is freedom versus tyranny, good versus evil, truth versus lies. Where do the lies begin? Do they begin with the media and the myth mongers and the liars and the cheats in the world? Or do they begin with lies we tell ourselves to actually make space for those professional liars to come in? and put their inputs into us. Is there a relationship between the master and the slave? That's the key. And I believe there is, and it's bigger than we know. And in, in that knowledge is the good news. The good news that like Bill Hicks said, the great comedian, we can, it's a ride and we can change it anytime we want. We, we, when you deep realize that you have this power within you, that's been suppressed, that you've been lied to about, that you probably haven't really formulated and activated yet and polished, uh, that's be, it's being weaponized against you in many ways to serve other agendas. Um, when you realize that it, it can free you from it because now you see it and now you can actually take charter of your life. You can take, you can take control of it or at least more of it. We, there's so much we don't have in our control, but there are things that we do. And this is definitely one of them, which is why I think it's one of the most hidden things. It's one of the most disdained things. It's one of the least studied things because some reason we're petrified of our own minds. Why? Why are we so afraid of ourselves? We're, if I'm afraid of myself, if I don't trust myself, if I don't trust my own mind, can't you see how easily that can be manipulated by somebody that does? 
right? Like that's a logical thing. If I am at a state of, if I'm in a state of inner turmoil, I don't know who I am and I haven't worked to try to discover what that is, what life is, what, who I am, what my consciousness is. If I don't take the ability to brighten my mind seriously and activate it and then work on it, then I can be led by everybody else's opinions and ideas. And what if those opinions and ideas that become like my recipe and my prescription for life come from a mouse, a tongue or come from a Walter Applewhite or Jim Jones. That's why this is relevant. Everybody's go oh, Klaus Schwab. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, we called them into being just like, if you don't clean out the garbage under the sink, you're calling into being the opportunity for mold and cockroaches to come. It's the same in your mind. If you don't do the gardening, what happens? Weeds grow and destroy the life of the crops. So the weeds of the mind can grow. And then the vultures come and they peck at the body of your psyche and they manipulate it and they turn it into their mind. Like that old uh, Carlos Castaneda quote I put in chapter four when he's like, these predators that came here to turn us into farm animals and feed off of us energetically, they gave us their mind. They gave us their mind. That was their, that's in their lore, the Toltec lore, that the, the, the evil gods that came to control humanity gave us a piece of themselves. And what if that piece was like a firewall that was put in to block us from the true force that we can also connect with? See, we're kind of schizophrenic in a way. We can connect with the dark side of our psyche and we can let that rule the house or we can connect to this inner light that someone like a Walter Russell or all these saviors have talked about for thousands of years. But the problem is everybody just kind of pays lip service to that stuff and they don't actually practice it and they don't really understand it. And what do they end up doing? Extroverting everything, externalizing everything, passing off the responsibility. And then we get continually ruled by the forces of evil. We call it into being, we support it. We don't think we are, but we are. So I guess that's where the real point of this is. So there's my little intro. Probably scared a few people off, but anyways, those of you who are still here, let's dive in. So here's the quote. Uh, this isn't in chapter 10, but it's in this um, series done by Nathaniel Brandon. And again, after the show, I'm going to post all these quotes that I'm going to go through with you. I didn't do it on slides today. We're just going to go through it. I'll give you my thoughts on it. And then I'll post them all over on my Telegram channel. I'll post them on my, twi my Twitter or my X. Uh, so make sure to follow those accounts. And... What else was like, oh, and I'll also post that the full uh, presentation Nathaniel Brandon did on the psychology of dependence so that you can have multiple uh, sources on it. But let's open it up. He says this. He's defining, first of all, what is a psychologically healthy person versus what we're talking about, the, the mindset of a slave. So he's like, a, a psychologically healthy man is one who accepts the responsibility entailed in being a volitional being and who accepts the responsibility of thought, accepts the responsibility of choice, who accepts and welcomes the responsibility of passing judgments in his life. And that includes, of course, passing judgment on the issue of values, which is major, and on the goals by which he is to live 
that are going to guide his actions and his life. So personal responsibility, we talk about it a lot. What do we really mean? Is it just about where we're investing our cryptocurrency and what, you know, what we're, what store we're shopping at and whether we have a Disney plus account, like, is that enough of a personal responsibility if we're to achieve freedom or does it go much deeper than that? Yeah, it goes down to the level of accepting the responsibility of thought. You have the ability to think and to reason. And that's a responsibility that you have to do that, to exercise that. You have that ability. So even if you're on the camp of, I don't believe humans have free will, well, you at least have enough free will to make the decision as to whether or not you are going to actually think or not think. That's the question, to think or not to think. You have to accept the responsibility of choices that you have to make every day of your life. You made a choice to even come here and listen to a talk like this. You can make a choice at any point in this presentation to turn it off and walk away. You can make a choice to accept the responsibility of choices or not, right? That you have that ability. And it's that other quote where it's like, you can choose to evade reality, but you can't choose to evade the consequences of evading reality. That's an example of choice that you have. You do have that choice. You can say, la, 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 I don't want to hear it. I just want whatever the easiest solution that could come across my social media feed. That would be great. I don't want to do any of this challenging personal responsibility stuff about thinking. And I don't want to do that. Like that's, you know, who wants that? You, you, but you choose that, or you can choose to rise to the challenge in front of you, which is welcome to earth. Here's your life. It's ending one moment at a time. What are you going to do with the time you have left? Are you going to be a victim to the enslavers and the masters in the world? Are you going to become an enslaver and a master of others in your life? And if so, what would be motivating you to do that? Or are you going to be free of that? And then also allow others around you to be free from your dictatorial power in their lives. Ah, nobody wants to get there. It's easier to just go back to pointing at Klaus Schwab, isn't it? But you have that responsibility of choice. You have to accept and even welcome the responsibility of passing judgments. This is something that are, you can tell it's a, it's a manipulated uh, agenda with the whole, we're not passing judgments anymore. Even in school, we're not going to tell your child whether they're actually succeeding or failing at the activities we're giving them. We don't want them passing judgments. Judgments are going to hurt people's feelings. But judgments are, when you're passing a judgment, judging, what is to judge? To judge something. When you see the Olympics and they got, you know, the German judge gave that diving board guy 8.2 and then the Russian guy gave him 7.1. They're judging based off criteria. They're observing that high diver do his flips in the air and landing in the water with all that. And they're giving a score based on their judgment, right? You go to court and the judge is judging the case objectively supposed to be anyways, judging the case objectively, looking at the evidence and then making decisions. The jury is a crowd of people combining their consciousnesses together to pass a judgment as to whether someone is guilty or not guilty. Right? So we're getting judged all over the place. But when do we as individuals judge for ourselves? 
is the people wearing two masks alone in their car exercising judgment or are they following the cues of the masses around them? That's a good question. That's just one example. Are the people changing their bios every week with the new latest flag they have to wave in order to be accepted in society and be accepted by the tribe and make it look like they're virtuous? Are they using judgment to do that? Or are they passing judgment? Have they taken the responsibility of, a, of acquiring all the information possible to actually pass a sane judgment on those matters? Or are they just going along with the current trends and trying to feign virtue? And if they are, why are they being so fake about it? Why is it not authentic? So when we say we talk about personal responsibility on our side of this all the time, I feel like we don't go deep enough into what that actually means. Okay. You have to pass judgments also on those things that include passing judgment on the issue of values and on the goals by which we are all to live and that we are going to, that is going to guide our actions in this life. So this is like passing judgments. You're in a survival scenario. There's no electricity, the solar flare, they're threatening the world with, oh, the world's going to shut down the internet and power's going out. Who knows? Maybe it'll happen. You're in a survival situation. You are going to start passing judgments immediately because you have to, in order to survive. Should I get this? Where should I go for water? Where should I go for food? Can I trust my neighbors? Blah, blah, blah. You're passing judgments in, you know, right there. Right. And your level of awareness of the information surrounding those judgments that inform those judgments is completely comparable to the results you're going to get as to whether or not you made the correct judgment. This is the thing that pisses everybody off is that they could be wrong. That's why people don't want to do this. This is what everybody's running away from. They're afraid they're going to be wrong because in the real world, in the natural world, before electricity was invented, being wrong meant death. Death is scary. We don't want that. So let's avoid being wrong. And so let's find the people who are right. And if they are surviving and they are doing well, and they seem to know what they're doing, our masters, well, then I'll just follow along with them because they held the keys to survival. They hold the keys to what reality is and was it what it isn't. And so I'm going to pass off my own judgment system, my own decision-making, my own will, and I'm going to give it to them. And then what happens if I give it to the wrong guy? So you can run, but you can't hide from this, basically. So now it's possible, he says, for men, and indeed many men do, and he's talking about mankind here, are to revolt against the responsibility inherent in their own nature. So he looked at it as this is inherent to your nature. You need... All living organisms possess a form of consciousness and that the degree to which they're exercising their consciousness determines their ability to survive and thrive in their life. So it's innate to, so, and each creature has the appropriate level of consciousness to facilitate their growth and survival at whatever rung in the chain they're at. And humans have a different layer wavelength 
of that frequency of consciousness that we call consciousness. And therefore, there's some different rules for us than there are from every other living creature because we have this next level of the ability to observe ourselves formulating judgments. No other creature possesses this. We're the only ones that we know of. So we have this, we have this ability to make those choices, whereas a lot of the other animals in, in nature are going purely off of instinct. We have that instinct as well, but we have this other thing called reason. And you can choose to switch it on or switch it off. So this, so then he's saying, okay, so if we understand that this revolt against the responsibility inherent in our own nature, which is what we're seeing in the world, which is bringing the rise of tyranny back into our midst, that we're also seeking to escape from the responsibilities of volition and volition. It just means the exercising of your will and that we are seeking to evade the effort of thought because thought does its effort. It's like doing pushups, right? Who wants to do that? And that we end up preferring a state of mental fog because that's somehow comforting to us because it's easier to just blank out and go into mental fog than it is to do with things I'm telling you and see things for what they are, which can be quite traumatizing for a lot of people because it's like too real. So what do we do? We find a way out. We oh, get me out of here. Where's the parachute? Open the door. I want off this plane. That motherfucker ain't real. I'm out of here. And we're jumping off, parachuting out the side of the plane, trying to desperately escape reality because it scared us. And it scared us when we saw it through the lens of our own mind, which means our own mind scares us. So what do we do? We censor it. We lock it into a dark room. We repress it. We beat it up. We become sadomasochistic towards ourselves. We develop something called self-hatred. And then you've got a bunch of predators that go, well, we got a bunch of self-hating people who are primed to become slaves. So let's just turn them into slaves and put them to work for us. It's pretty much as simple as that. And it all started with the rejection of that person responsibility inherent to our own nature as volitional beings. That's his argument. And then what happens when we prefer to drift in a state of mental fog? Well, then we drift at the mercy of blind feelings. That's what happens. When you turn off the light of reason, you become a victim to blind feelings. Now there's nothing, the feelings and the emotions that you possess are also informants to you. They're informants to your consciousness. They're part of the package. There's like a whole kaleidoscope of things going on inside of you. You're made up of many parts. You're to, I don't think you should be repressing anything, but there's unhealthy ways of expressing your emotions and your thoughts. And there's, there's healthy ways and there's unhealthy ways. And you can determine which is which based on the results that happen to you in your life and in reality. So if the results in our reality, our shared reality right now, that everybody's dying to escape from, and I don't blame them because it's getting pretty dark, the shared reality is a result of this process going on inside all of us on an individual level. And then the net, the gross outcome of that is where we're at. One dictator after another, evil running amok in the world, unchecked, unchallenged, and we're on the vicious cycle. But it doesn't have to be that way because there's many examples. 
I've done it in my life. Maybe you've had experiences in your life and we can have many examples in front of us of people that have done it and achieved it. The fact that people can achieve this state of mind he's talking about that counters the tyranny proves that it is possible for humanity to achieve. It's just a matter of whether or not we want it. So when you see a world loaded to the gills with darkness, evil, tyranny, and criminality, rather than goodness, truth, light, good art, good culture, positivity, uh, thriving, success, the whole, all the positive sides of humanity, you'll know why the people in the aggregate, the people in, in mass have selected to switch off the reason, plug themselves into the mind control matrix and operate off of hypnotic suggestions rather than organic thoughts and behaviors and to live in a state of intellectual sovereignty. Humanity has chosen its fate. And even though we could say, yeah, but we're victims. They lied to us. They manipulated us. They did this. They did 9-11. They did this. They did that. Like, okay, but that's only happening in the vacuum created by the ignorance to this. It's not a direct thing. It's an indirect thing. And it's good enough, right? So final thing to the people that are like, oh, psychology, this is boring. And it's, you know, it's... Uh, it's, it's had its day. It's a thing of the past. Well, it's not a thing in the past of the people that run the world and control your mind. So if it works for them, maybe we could take a chapter out of it and spin it into a positive sense to actually work for us for a change. So you're drifting around in blind feelings. This is why everybody's feeling like I'm different. I'm a cat. I'm a this. I, I, I feel like this today and I feel like something else tomorrow. Let's reorder the actual prime reality around my feeling. That's just a whim that's going to pass. The reason that is insanity and the reason that will end in the destruction of our civilization, it'll end in the destruction of that individual's life that believes that, but then it'll carry over. It'll become part of the mass mind and it'll destroy our civilization because it is not in harmony with the true harmonious state of the intellectually sovereign being. It is your falling blind feelings and who knows better how to manipulate feelings. The media, they use fear. They use all these things. They manipulate your sexuality. They manipulate everything and they want you in a state of feelings so that you're reactive. You're not proactive. See, if you're in this place of reason with your feelings in check in the proper order to be informants for your imperial consciousness, you're not to be messed with. You are unslaved. You're a person that can't be told what to do unless a logical argument can be made why you should be doing it. Unless, right, there's freedom in the mix. You're not a victim to blind feelings. You're not ruled by that doesn't mean you don't feel it. Your those feelings have become uh, tempered and educated. But blind feelings is that's when Rome burns. That's when the bodies hit the floor. That's when violence and wars kick off. That's when tyranny comes up and goes, Hey, uh, we're back. We're bigger than ever. We got lots of feelings for you. Here's all the circus animals. Off you go into feelingville while we loot your economy and destroy your country and steal your children. That's where it's at. Sorry to be so blunt about it. So he says it's possible to a greater or lesser extent to rebel against the necessity 
of judging reality. So it's a necessity to judge reality. And it's possible to evade that responsibility and of judging independently with one's own mind. To the extent to which one rebels against this responsibility, one defaults on the process of proper human growth, and then one sabotages one's own intellectual development. So you wonder why everybody's in a state of arrested development and the IQs are dropping and people are just like, it seems dumber than ever, falling for every red herring that comes across their newsfeed. You just want to know why? It's because the, they're, the muscles of their mind aren't strong enough. They haven't done the proper mental push-ups, so to speak, of true introspection, true observation of reality and, pro and creating judgments. So they are then on the, the, the uh, they're drifting at the mercy of their blind feelings and they ha can't, don't, they don't even have access to an independent mind. They don't have the ability to think independently. That's why they're going along with what the main architects of control are up to and they don't see it. They can't see it. They're blinded to it because they're, they're in their own way on purpose. To the extent to which one rebels against this responsibility, one defaults on the process of proper human growth and one sabotages one's own intellectual development. One doesn't grow intellectually as one should. And to this extent, one sabotages the efficacy of one's mind. And the consequence of this is to sentence oneself to the mounting terror of feeling that one is inadequate and unfit for existence. <laughs> This statement, guys, changed my entire view of everything. This one statement. When I first came across it, and then I picked up his book, Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, and everybody thinks, oh, it's just one of those like self-help books. It's far more than that. It's, it's, it's talking about this. The feeling you have inside of you of fear of other people's opinions, of fear of the world and everything going on in it, the deep anxiety that's based baseline all the time in the background stems from a feeling of inadequacy. This is also what brings in the seven deadly sins, right? Envy, greed, jealousy, all that stuff. It stems from a feeling of inadequacy that you are unfit for existence on your own. And therefore you must seek all the, you just line up all the saviors, all the all of get the government in there, make the government as big and powerful as possible to stop, to save me from the responsibility of being a self and, and being fit for my own existence. That's where the manipulation can take place. And what this comes down to is when you know it, you can change that dynamic and you can install and you can actually not install, you can develop and grow. the view of yourself and the knowledge of yourself to such a degree that you realize you are fit for existence. You are capable of surviving in this world. You are capable of intellectual sovereignty. You are worthy of freedom. You are worthy of hearing the truth and being having people being honest with you. You are worthy of honorable trade and, and discourse amongst your fellows. You are worthy. You were born worthy, but there's things you can do to knock yourself down a few pegs until you're no longer worthy anymore.
But that didn't happen because other people did that to you. That happened as a process of something you did to yourself. This is why we talk about the crimes against the self, the inner conspiracy. That's what, that's what this really is. It's the inner conspiracy. This explains the external conspiracies. The need to conspire, the need to hide and manipulate and lie and cheat and steal and murder. Where does that, where does that all start? Starts, it starts with a flawed view, an undeveloped view of yourself. And then what do humans do? We project. That's what we do as beings. We project the internal world onto the external world. That's why everybody's arguing about what reality is. Nobody can get it nailed. Because we're viewing the world through the lens of the self, as William Blake said. And if the lens of the self is muddy and foggy and gummed up, and you can't see clearly, you're going to come back with a flawed view of what you, what you are, and then you're going to project that on the world and other people, and it can get to the level where you can get into those positions that these psychopaths are in right now. And why are they all trying to save the world? Why are they all trying to change the world? It's not for the better. It's for this little game, this little, uh, this little inner lie they're telling themselves. They can't save themselves. So they need to save the world. And I mean, we'd all love to save the world, but that's not our mission here. Well, ultimately, yeah, but I'm talking, this is the lie they tell themselves. They think Justin Trudeau believes he's saving the world. Greta Thunberg believes she's saving the world. Bono thinks he's saving the world. Like all these people believe they're believers. Are they saving the world? <laughs> is Bill Gates saving the world? Does it start with some inadequacy? Maybe at childbirth, maybe being a youngster, maybe a little bit of trauma and sexual trauma in your life. And then what do humans do? We project. So you are going to create, uh, you're going to project the inner, the mess of your inner world onto the external world and then create a mess of the external world. That's the story of every tyrant and psychopath and cult leader that you can list. So he continues, to the extent to which a person rebels against the responsibility of thinking, one of the biggest ones, and to the extent to which he seeks to solve the problem by relying on the consciousness of others instead of his own, to that extent, he sabotages his own intellectual and psychological growth. He's just reiterating this. He sabotages his intellectual development, and he declares himself, in effect, a second-rate citizen, metaphysically, that is... He accepts the fact early in life that he is not to come into firsthand contact with reality himself and that he is not going to think and judge on his own as this is way too much trouble and the risks are too great if he fails. And so instead, he will look to others to provide for him the guidance which his own thinking should have provided instead. Now, don't mistake this for taking advice or having coaches and instructors and teachers in your life. See, having a, see, this is the difference, okay? Because it's the difference between blind obedience and a relationship that's positive. So for example, I teach at a martial arts school. I teach children, I teach adults, right? But I don't know everything about martial arts. I, I, I'm doing it my whole life and there's still so much more to learn. I'm just a guide. I'm just an instructor. I'm just there running a class and giving people perspectives on things. And 
teaching them what I know, and then they're teaching me what they know. And it's a, it's an environment for learning. And I do everything I can. If you speak to any of the students at my school, um, I try to do everything I can not to be this authoritarian cult leader. That's like, I am the truth of martial arts and you'll eat from my table only and all that. I've grown up with instructors like this. I decided instead to take the advice of people like Khalil Gibran, who said, you know, the true teacher is the one that shows you the door to your own mind and doesn't beckon you into his house. He shows you the door to your own mind. Like that's, those are the best teachers I had. That's promoting true freedom, right? But what you're trying to do is encourage them to think about it on their own. So you have to give, like when I teach, I have to give, here's the, here's the format. Here's the concepts. Here's your goals. You know, here's the different techniques that have already been proven. And all the techniques are just different solutions to various problems. You know, someone's grabbing you this way. Someone's doing this to you. What do you, someone's throwing a punch at you. There's various solutions that have been proven to be effective. Right. But you teach that in a framework where you say, okay, here's the concepts behind what built those various solutions and those moves. Now fill in the gap with your own artistry over time. Like as long as it hits the check boxes of the basic alignments that you need, it's, you can color it any color you want. You can fill it in with yourself. But how many teachers do that? How many places, how many things in the world? Is that the way the government operates? Is that the way any of these mega corporations operate? No, it's, they want to control your consciousness. They don't want you to free your consciousness. Because the moment you free your consciousness, you don't need them anymore. I don't want my students to need me. I want them to come because they get value. And I'm either good at what I do and I'm good enough to keep them coming back or I'm not. But if I was afraid inside, if I didn't trust myself, if I didn't have the confidence to operate like that, what would I do? I would say, here's my cookie cutter curriculum that you're going to follow to the letter. Never rebel. I'm going to forbid you from training elsewhere and looking for different coaches and instruction. And you're only to come here. I would turn it into a cult. So there's this, there's the psychology of the cult leader. The world is full of them. And we're getting the profile of why that is. They sabotage their intellectual development. They feel second rate. So there starts the envy and then they, and the self-hate. And then metaphysically, they accept that they can, they are not adequate to actually determine what reality is for themselves. So they need to externalize and go somewhere else. Judging your own, judging on your own is too much trouble. The risks are too great. So instead you look to others to provide the guidance, which your own thinking should have provided. So he knows, he continues that he does not know how to live. So this is the belief in this slave consciousness. He's describing the slave consciousness now. Okay. The slave think person knows that he does not know how to live, but others seem to know it. Others have survived and are surviving around him. So the only way to survive, he feels, is to follow their lead and to live by their knowledge. Somehow they possess control in his mind of that mysterious, unknowable reality, truth. People saying there's no reality are saying there's no truth. In this, in this definition, okay? We can get into like dimensions and all that. I don't, don't want to get into that. It's just 
metaphorically speaking here, right? Thus, this person is led to shape his soul in the image of a parasite inconceivable to any other living species. This problem has been identified as unique to the human experience, okay? So, thus he is led, this slave, this person infested with slave think, is led to shape his soul in the image of a parasite inconceivable to any other living species. It's not a parasite of the body, it is a parasite of consciousness. So when we say this is a war on your mind, this is a war on consciousness, we mean it as literally as possible. Make no mistake. Everything I'm reading, the people up at the top know. The approval of others is his only form of assurance that he is right. Look at that. How many people do you know need your approval to, why are they dying for your approval? Right? Like, look at me, look at me, look what I can do. And they're grown ass adults. They're like, wow, like, I understand a child needs this, but what is a true teacher and parent going to show that child? They're going to introduce them to the wisdom of their own mind and eventually get them off those apron strings so that they can take the training wheels off the bike and fly in life, directed by their own course, listening to the voice of spirit within them and charting their own life. Isn't that what you want for your kids? Everybody's like, I want my kids to grow up in a free world. Well, start with this, right? Because otherwise, they're going to continually live in that state, which is normal in the beginning stages at white belt level, right? It's normal. You're going to be more reliant on everybody around you. You need to learn. You got to go through the process. You got to develop the muscles. You're going to want the approval from others. Nothing wrong with wanting the approval from others. Nothing want, wrong with having, you know, desiring respect from other people. I desire respect. I come on here and I hope I'm getting approval, but I know I see the thumbs down. I see the, the all caps comments. I know I'm not getting approval from everybody. So if I was guided by only other approval from other people, I wouldn't be doing this anymore, guys. The amount of flack I've taken for questioning sacred cows my whole career, I wouldn't be doing this. You wouldn't be able to sit there and go, yeah, I, I resisted all the COVID craziness. Or I resisted this, or I didn't follow along with that, or I didn't fall into the group think, and I pulled myself away, and I'm awake now, right? You wouldn't be here if you didn't at some point shed the crowd and shed that like addiction to just, oh, does, does everybody around me approve? It must be right. So the approval of others is this slave's only form of assurance that he is right, that he is doing well. The temporary diminution of his anxiety, which means like the diminishing of his anxiety, that their approval offers him is his substitute for self-esteem and self-knowledge. So what's happening is there's a dynamic where you're switching. I think Alan Watts talked about this too in his book, uh, The Taboo of Being Yourself. Um, you switch your... So you have like an inner... Um, What's the, what's the words? It's so hard to describe this. You have an inner world, an inner view, and you've switched the view from your personal assessment of the facts of reality and the truth for everybody else's opinion. You've swapped those. Whereas the real sage, the real free thinker only bases it off of his own judgment as to what, what to be true right? Not just, oh, is everybody else wearing a mask? Is everybody else flying the flag? Is everybody else lining up in the, in the, in the 
line to the kennel. Like, is everybody else eating McDonald's all the time? Is everybody else, you know, going down to the doctor every time they have a sniffle? Like, well, then I must do it. But you want it for approval. Look at social media. It's just an approval Olympics. That's what social media is now. The, the approval Olympic. Who can get the most likes? Who can get the most approvals? And thereby you create your own identity off of what? The approval of others. And then what do a lot of content creators out there do? They start to, they don't create the content from their heart, from their true research, from their true opinion that they formed themselves. And yes, learning from others as well is part of that. Part of observing reality is observing others and observing their observations, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But when you substitute your principal observation of that with just blindly accepting their observations, what have you done? You've, you've sold your soul. You've sold your light. You've, you've cut yourself off. And then inside your true imperial self knows that you've done that. And it's subconscious, but you've started to develop guilt complexes in your subconscious mind for betraying yourself. This gets into Arnold Gruen's work. We're going to get to him in a bit where he talked about the betrayal of the self. And there's a cycle, there's a psychological process by which you repress that guilt and shame that comes with betraying yourself. Your conscious mind cuts that out because it's too traumatic. You put it in the background, but what's the background? That's your anxiety. That's your fear. And that's where the dark ones can get their hooks into you. And it's none of this is happening on the conscious level. That's why it's so complicated. So you swap their opinion for your own self-esteem. And now it's not your voice you're listening to. It's not the still small voice within you. It's the voice of the crowd who's consistently wrong throughout history. It is this kind of fear, he says, this kind of fear we're talking about, which lies at the root of the process by which men can surrender the world to evil. <laughs> That's a pretty heavy statement. It is this kind of fear. The fear of being rejected, the fear of not being adequate, the fear of not being good enough. Little man syndrome. That lies at the root of the process by which men can surrender the will to evil. Surrender the world to evil, meaning they give up, they tap out, they go, fine, take this, take it. They surrendered themselves first. So what's a world to also surrender? This is not a practical fear. This is a huge point. This is a huge point. This fear he's talking about, that background angst, is not a practical fear. Because there's practical fear, isn't there? There's practical fears. The fear is an informant. It's one of those emotions that generate, that give you information. You, you need fear. If, if I'm seeing a giant wave come towards my house or I'm in a, driving my truck and someone's swerving into my lane and coming dead on to me, you're going to feel fear all right. But it's a tangible, legitimate fear that's prompting you to act towards your survival in that moment. So we're not talking about practical fears. We're talking about, and not tangible threats. We're talking about intangible, non-practical fears. That's what's so messed up about it. That's why we're going mad going, why are all these people afraid that the sky is going to fall? Why is there doomsday cults galore from ancient times to current times? Why? 
What creates that? People want, it's like people, I try to argue with them like, no, no, that's, that's not, that's probably, the chances of that happening are extremely small, okay? And people, they want to be afraid. I'm like, yeah, the COVID thing, the whole time, I'm like, yeah, it's not as bad as they're saying. It probably affects certain age groups and things, and there's things you can do. You know, you just got to prepare yourself for this world and don't live in fear. I mean, at the very least, don't live in fear. That's going against your own health and survival anyways. And there's a lot of people that prey off of your fear. So, you know, don't live in fear, even if there's real things. But what, what do people do? They, they either invent fake crises and emergencies, which is what the government's doing, state of emergency, state of emergency. We got to keep you locked down in your mind in a state of emergency 24-7. Any emergency will do. Anyone, volcanoes, spy balloons, UFOs, pandemics, World War Threes, solar flares. We've got a big Rolodex of options, of fears to keep you uh, engaged in to keep you away from listening to your true self, which is they're telling you the whole time, be not afraid. You're in a world that's scary. Choose courage. Get up, take responsibility, and then the fear can't touch you. The evil can't touch you. Evil can only touch you when you let it in. And evil is fear. It started for, starts with fear. So... This is not a practical fear that he's speaking about. It's not a response to a tangible threat. This must be emphasized, he says. It's something absolutely non-practical on the deepest level. It's prompted by a degrading fear they dare not acknowledge and so cannot overcome. Like, that is a uppercut to the chin. That Like, I hope that this sinks in. This fake fear that's either a you know they take something that might be a legitimate threat but they blow it out of proportion or they invent or create scenarios to create fear right and then they blast it through the media and they magnify it to a thousand and then they wonder why everybody's like committing suicide and addicted to drugs and all this stuff it's because these people are prompted by a degrading fear that they dare not acknowledge and so they cannot overcome you can only overcome the fears that you acknowledge. If you don't acknowledge it, you cannot overcome it. And then who's the master? You're now a slave, not to Klaus Schwab. You're a slave to the fear. That's the, that's the slave. That's the slavery. That's who you're enslaved to. The world is not happening to you. You are happening to this world. Let's think of it or switch it around. So you got to acknowledge it when you do you can overcome it. And there's your key to freedom. So what do they do? These people that cannot acknowledge that fear and they can't overcome it? Well, they invent non-existing dangers. They beat all of society up with it. This is what C.S. Lewis was trying to point out with these goody two-shoes do-gooders that are out there trying to save the world and enslave your ass in the process and destroy everything beautiful to satisfy their fears. But because they can't really get to the base of what that fear really is and they don't acknowledge it, they can't overcome it. You're going to be in a perpetual cycle with these types of people of tyranny and evil because the tyranny has to grow because the, the tyranny that they put, whether it's a personal level or political level, the tyranny they create is rooted in their fear. That's why 
the tyranny becomes as powerful as the fear, they say. The, the more fear, the more tyranny. So they invent non-existent dangers or they grossly exaggerate minor ones. They betray their own minds. They sell out whatever authentic rationality they possess and they acquire a vested interest in believing that men are unavoidably evil. Now we're getting into the psychology of your local black pill people. The, of your, the, stop oil, let's glue ourselves to the pavement until everybody does what we want. Let's destroy priceless art until everybody gets as afraid of shit as us. And what are those people? Jaded nihilists. Humans are just a bunch of animals, ants running around. Listen to the Club of Rome. Oh, yeah. We can maybe have 1 billion, maybe 2 billion, but we're going to create a dictatorship. You know, it's really important that we do that. Why does he have to finish that sentence with that? Because that's him projecting his fear and saying, well, I need to control everything. That's what control freaks are. They're controlling and hyper-controlling and micromanaging you and surveilling you because it's a projection of their fear. And it comes from the view that everybody around them and nature itself and reality itself is the fear because humans project. So if you got the fear going on inside of you, you project it outwards. Now you see everything as your fear. Everything is a symbolic metaphor for your fear. That's what, and then the media comes in and goes, perfect. You've created this for us. We didn't have to stay up all night inventing this. You did it for us. We'll just rewrite it and make it better and refine it and get the slogans down. And then we'll get all of our late night comedians and all of our CNN anchors and all of our Hollywood celebrities. And we'll put the lyrics in the music for the youngins and we'll put it in the movies and we'll just blast it out of every possible orifice of society. And you wonder why everybody is absolutely walking around petrified while pretending that they're confident and they know what they're doing. And it all stemmed from a, so the negative view of humanity and of nature stems from a negative view of the self that was installed into your being by way of this ignorance to the responsibility of volitional consciousness and by developing the courage necessary to face this life in this world, which is a requirement for you even being here. But people don't want that requirement. They didn't come here for the greater journey. They came here to just, you know, drugs, rock and roll, have a good time. Everybody leave me alone. And they don't know that in order to achieve that kind of a lifestyle, we got a long way to go. And then they start to get jaded and they go, oh, human existence is evil. Let's, let's, let's eradicate 90% of the population. That's why there's it's temperature changes. That's why the world is all messed up. Let, let's just knock them all off. Let's just, humanity's evil. This is what justifies your local satanic temples and the evil cults that have no problem with ritual sacrifice, that have no problem with uh, calling the best and brightest, the bravest amongst us to go off to fight wars that are for nothing, to die for causes that are nothing in many cases, not all. I'm just saying, look at the, look at the history of wars. How many wars have we fought and died for and how many more wars are yet to come? Meanwhile, nobody's fighting the real war, which is the war within. So you develop a very easy conclusion. Human existence is evil. Men are evil. The world is evil. And then you start going down to the next one. Well, reality is too challenging because I've ignored my inner reality 
And so I've shut that and censored that out. So I've actually started to develop an artificial consciousness. I've become AI without any plugs or chips. Artificial intelligence is talking about a hell of a lot more than just a bunch of robotics. It's talking about a state of thinking. And then what do you do from that place? You project that onto the world. Now you're like, yeah, it's all an illusion. It's all fake. There's nothing's real. Uh, it's amazing to really take this in, at least take this on board, right? And just add it to the mix of ideas. But this is what he's warning you about. And then you conclude that the good has no chance on earth. And once you conclude that, he says, such is the manner in which men deliver the world to evil. And look around. Look around. So this is interesting part here, the psychology of a dictator. So we kind of went, that was sort of the uh, analysis of a psychologically healthy person. And maybe I should just recap that. A psychologically healthy man, to contrast with the type, the slave thing that we just went through, is one who accepts the responsibility entailed in being a volitional being, who accepts the responsibility of thought, who accepts the responsibility of choice, who accepts and welcomes the responsibility of passing judgments, and that includes passing judgment on the issue of values. What do you value? And on the goals by which you are to live and are going to guide your actions and your life. That's, that's the difference. So now if we switch over to the psychology of a dictator, here it is. They, this is from John Galt's speech. He's defining what a dictator is. They, other people, are his only means of perception. His being the dictator. They, other people, are his only means of perception. Like a blind man who depends on the sight of a dog, he feels he must leash them in order to live. Because he's blind internally, self-murdered, that's what we call it. He's become blind. He's turned off the light of reason. He's shut down the still small voice. He's succumbed to his feelings. He's succumbed to his fear and his anxiety. He's become a slave himself. What can he do other than enslave others along with him? crab in the bucket. So they are his only means of perception. And like a blind man, it depends on the sight of a dog. He feels he must leash the people in order to live. This is the person who feels helpless in reality, who feels helpless in the position of seeking voluntary help or approval from others. Voluntary being the key word there. And they feel like they can't, they can't get that recognition voluntarily. There's your Bill Gates, super nerd types, right? Who feel rejected by the world. So they can't voluntarily get help or approval from others. And who, in order to feel secure in this world, needs to control those other consciousnesses, which he dreads. See, Justin Trudeau and Macron and all these clowns, they live in that mentality. They dread the consciousnesses around them because they can't control them. You'll probably have people in your own life popping off in your head going, oh my God, <laughs> it's everywhere. It's a matter of degree, okay? But 
when you're getting to the level of who's running our world into the dirt, this is it. This is their profile. They need to control those other consciousnesses, which they dread. Because if he can force them to obey him, if he can force the crowd to obey him, if Mao Zedong can force the crowd to obey him and read from his red book only, and if they can be coerced to act as though his ideas were the true ones, like every cult leader ever, why that for all practical purposes will make them true, he says. Like you, you're, you're actually changing reality by getting a mass of human consciousnesses to interpret reality through your inner reality, which is a distortion and is a fake reality. That's what's fake. The fakeness that you see in the world is you. You are fake. I'm talking to these dictators. So then they go, oh, well, <laughs> then I know the game now. I didn't win the inner battle, but I can get these people to get on some leashes and get them to repeat my mantras and, and, and help create a new reality. That's what the new world order archetype architects are doing. That's why they want a new normal. That's why they want a new world order. That's why they're talking about climate. It's not the climate of the planet melting down. It's the climate of their consciousness that's melting down because humans project. We project our wills and fears and hopes and dreams on the world. So these guys are doing that same process at the Club of Rome and all these other people we've mentioned, trying to take control of the entire world and every human being on it and every blade of grass on it like what the UN is trying to do right now and control your speech and control what you say and censor you and fact check you control freaks. We're reading their profile. They don't, they dread, they dread your consciousness. They dread the freedom of your consciousness to think for yourself. And so they go, well, they're hurting feelings. They're not hurting feelings. They're afraid of you because you challenge their distorted worldview of a fake reality. So they need you to step in line and go and cheer on the fake reality with them. Join the club. This is what the entire prisoner series that show in the 60s and 70s in Britain, it's the entire framework of that show. It's all archetypal, but it's there. I'm reading, this is history. Read, this has been happening so much because what's the common denominator throughout history? Human consciousnesses. So because if he, the dictator, can force them, the will of the crowd, to obey him, if they can be coerced to act as though his ideas were true, why that for all practical purposes will make them true. How unreal is the universe in which he lives? How unreal. You're living in an unreal world. You are the fake reality, this dictator consciousness. And they want you to come and live in their fake treehouse with them and glorify them. And that if they, the people, can be compelled to fake a reality for him, well, that's as close to reality as he's ever going to get. That's as close to reality as he's ever going to get, and he's happy and content with it. If I can get everybody around me to fake reality with me, then I can believe my delusions even more. What is this reminding you of? <laughs> Some of the stuff going around in our society right now. Some of the sales pitches you're being told and they're being taught to your children. It's lies. And those people are lying. And the reason they never know they're lying, like Christia Freeland doesn't think she's lying. 
or maybe she does and that's why she's shaking all the time. She can't, that's the anxiety. People go, oh, maybe she's vaccine injured. Maybe she's suffering from internal psychological meltdown and she's petrified that not only is the world gonna discover the lies that she's told herself, that a part of herself is gonna find the, discover the lies that she's telling herself. Maybe that's why she's shaking all the time. I don't know. I don't want, I don't like getting personal with people. I don't know them, but there's some interesting signs there. So yeah, we'll go freeze the bank accounts of all the people that have the opinions and are exercising their consciousness freely because that threatens my fake worldview. They're not playing ball. Shut them down, burn them at the stake, lock them in jail and in solitary confinement, burn them and ban them. How many times have we seen this? So motivation by fear and hate is not intellectual sovereignty. If your motivation is fear or hate, real hate, not the hate that, that you, the word has lost all meaning now, but real, like self-hate, that's where real hate starts, right? And then we go and we hate all the people around us that have aspects of ourselves that we don't like. That's really the root of hate. So I love this campaign of end hate. Yeah, you're not going to end hate if you're thinking hate is what they told you, some external phenomenon that just manifests. It's, it's an internal state. So if your motivation in life and the motivation of your beliefs and the motivation of your actions in life or inactions, more importantly, is motivated by fear or hate, you are not dealing in the realm of intellectual sovereignty because the intellectually sovereign person, the true free mind, the unslaved mind, just does not operate in that universe. They know there's no reward in it. They know it's fake and they despise the fake. They hate fake people. They hate fake nonsense. My wife and I talk about this all the time. The reason I love her so much is she's like the most authentic person I've ever met. She'll just speak her mind bluntly, offends a lot of people sometimes, but she just comes right at it. She just can't, she can't, she doesn't like trends. <laughs> She's just like me. I hate all the trends. People start getting into a trend. I'm immediately like, oh, I'm going another way. It's just because I just don't want, I don't want to be part of this little circus that, that's going on right now. So if we understand that motivation by fear and hate is not intellectual sovereignty, well, in that sense, the power luster or the dictator is marvelously, marvelously described, he says, as a parasite of lunacy who seeks a distortion created for him by others. It's such a brilliant statement. I got to read it again. The power luster or the dictator is marvelously described as a parasite of lunacy. So they parasite the lunacy who seeks a distortion created for him by others. I have just described the cult to you. This is what it is. Who is willing to have those others coerced? Just like they wanted to coerce you to get your pharmaceutical products and shut down your business and follow the orders and shut down your YouTube channel because you were saying wrong speak or wrong think. We're going to coerce you to play our game of inauthenticity and fakeness. So they're willing to have those coerced. They're willing to send out cavalry to trample you in the streets in Canada because you're not playing ball. You're not playing ball. And these types are also cheerfully willing to have articles praising them, eulogies praising them, 
songs and hymns written to them, all prepared at gunpoint, of course. And still, this dictator type will smile and bask in it. And this is what gives him his sense of efficacy in life. So what he's pointing out there is like, it's, it's amazing to watch. And you can see this on different scales with people, right? It's amazing to watch how these, he's describing real narcissism here, real narcissism. Okay. Not selfhood, narcissism, which is the, a narcissist is a vacant self. That is why they are a narcissist. They're not a narcissist because they're full of themselves. Like we like to say, if they were full of themselves, they wouldn't be a narcissist. The narcissist is an empty self. So that's why you see the overcompensation of narcissism, which is the artificial blowing up of yourself to gigantic proportions that are fake, that you didn't earn. That's the, that's the criminal psychology right there. That's, how they, that's why they are what they are. And that's why they're willing to coerce others. They're willing to point a gun at you and tell you to give all your money. And whether it's a gun or whether it's a new policy that your government just signed into law, it's the same thing. And he's pointing out they're they're willing these these Neros and and you know Stalins and these people they're willing to get the glory from the crowd even though that crowd is cheering them while having guns pointed at their backs like in Jonestown. You know. And they're that, that see the psychopath is totally fine that that's a fake charade. Like uh, what's a good example? Oh, best best example is gladiator uh hakeem phoenix joaquin phoenix my wife's gonna make fun of me how i say his name i always mess it up the guy that plays uh commodus the the the, the would-be prince he's like a prince john character right he, that he played that role so beautifully if you watch that movie after this just you'll see him like he is the dictator everything about him the way he talks, the fakeness, and he was fine. He, he even said uh, they had the big entrance when he was declared Caesar illegitimately because he murdered his father, who was Marcus Aurelius. Um, he murders his father, and he comes home to Rome with the Praetorian Guard marching him up to the steps, and there's all these people cheering and throwing flowers in the air and all these people dancing and playing trumpets. And, you know, he tells one of the senators, he's like, I hope they weren't too expensive. <laughs> They paid them off and, you know, put the swords to their back to go, you better cheer for the new little king, make him feel good about himself. And he's fully aware that it's all coerced, but he still basks in it because it's the closest to reality he's ever going to get. So he doesn't care if it's fake. Whereas a truly intellectually sovereign person, that's not enough. Like I talked to my kids in the jujitsu about this when they're asking me about, when am I getting my next stripe? When am I getting my next stripe? When am I getting my next belt? I, my students know full well, that's not the question to ask me. If I'm your instructor, I walk away. <laughs> I just go, yeah, I don't know. I just walk away because that's the wrong question. The question is not about, see, because the stripe and the badge and the belt and the rank, even though I still give them out, it's just for the purposes of giving you what you need to motivate you. In the end, I always ask them, why are we really here? Like, what's the main point of why you're here training to learn this martial art? Okay. And do you want to be good at it? Or do you want to just be average? Or do you want to suck at it? Like, what's your goal here? Well, I want to be good at it. Okay, so there's requirements of you that 
is required nature requires for you to achieve in order to become good at this art. Number one, you got to keep showing up. Number two, you got to be able to focus your mind and learn and behave and folk and be part of the program and work hard. Right. And there's things you need to do to get better. Um, asking questions is one of them, but the questions shouldn't be about the medal you're going to get or the badge you're going to get and the approval you're going to get. It should be about how, how can I improve my technique? How can I actually get better at this thing? If you're truly motivated in this example to just learn the art and be the best you can be at it and use it as a vehicle to express yourself, then you'll do it just for that sake. And then along the path, you're going to get all kinds of accolades and recognitions and awards and approvals. That's just perks. That's the secondary step. See, but the unsovereign mind switches that and it's all they want is the badges, the recognition, because they're, they're in this state of arrested development. Now, as a child, I get it, but my job is to teach them how to become an adult, which is this intellectual sovereignty. So you're not going to become the power luster of the dictator. Who's only addicted to the sound of clapping hands. Even if there's guns pointing to the heads of those clapping hands, that's not good enough for the authentic man. That's not good enough. You have to earn your way because you know the value of that you get from earning it. It's the process of earning it. It's the process of going through the trials that it took and that, and the hardships that it took to earn it. That is the reward. And it's actually, you know, a lot of these people, they become world champion at their thing and they don't even really care that they've got world champion. They're back in the gym the next day, or they're back in their dojo the next day ironing out the kinks and trying to improve even more because they're there for the real reasons. You know, I think of people like GSP and some of these athletes who are real martial artists. They weren't there to win championships only. They were there to perfect themselves through martial arts. The people that were in the martial arts for the right reasons and were truly using it as a proper vehicle, they're still training right now, even though they've retired from their professional careers and they're no longer in the limelight. They don't care. They're just, they just love the process. The people that kill themselves after they've become world champions or have reached the peak of their sports and they have nothing else they can do in their life and they go crazy if they don't have a fight booked and all that. Those are the people that won't survive psychologically after they retire because they need the recognition and that's what they're, that's what satisfies them. It's inauthentic and that's why it's going to bring you misery in your life. See, you can tell if something's true or false by what it brings you. What mode of thought brings you the things you truly want that truly satisfy you and that truly give you meaning and what modes of thought bring you the opposite of that? That's a good way to understand what's true and what's not. It's, it's the facts of reality, the consequences of thinking or not thinking are what build that. So this dictator is able to control those other consciousnesses and thus to gain some sense of security. So that's why we see these tyrants all behaving the same way is because the people that recruited these worldly, these WEF graduates that are your politicians, um, the people that recruited them were looking for this psychological profile. 
to install a Jacinda Ardern in office, to install a Emmanuel Macron, to install a Gavin Newsom or a Joe Biden or a Justin Trudeau or the leader of the CDC or the chief of the UN. They, the, the real overseers know all of this better than even I know it. And they went on a recruit. That's what the roads roundtables are. That's what the recruitments are. That's what Bilderberg is. That's what the WEF is. They're looking for who can we raise the young global leaders? Who can we raise up to be this type of person? Because the dictator thinks he's in control. He's actually the perfect psychological blueprint for better predators than him to control him. So they, they control him and thereby control the masses because they know he is living off of the lifeblood of the psychic energy of those masses. So all they got to do is control him. And by controlling him, he controls the masses because that's what his psychology is going to be. That's who he is. He's psychologically dependent on them and they know that. And so therefore he ends up being a very good candidate for serving them. The only thing that happens is sometimes like in a case of a Saddam Hussein or some of these other people, uh, maybe I don't even know the best examples, but like there's many examples of people that they switch out because they get a little too big for their britches. They they think themselves that, oh, you, you know, you've got a Joseph Stalin or, or a Idi Amin or someone that thinks they are the apex predator. And then the real apex predators go in and go, oh, no, no, this guy's too big. Let's swap him out. Let's put another guy in. We need someone with this a little more little man syndrome, please. And then they order it, boom, in you go, install the next puppet, and off we go. That's how I read it. So the, the dictator is himself controlled. And not even by the high table, he's also controlled by the masses. Jim Jones was just as controlled by his little thousand followers as those thousand followers were controlled by him. It's a relationship. The cult creates itself, as they say. There's been many good people that tried to do everything in their power not to create a cult around them. And then the people around them created a cult around them. That's why so many of these great thinkers are misrepresented because they're modern. Um, the people that took over their life's work are themselves just like a shadow compared to the original. And they've botched it up and misrepresented it. And then everybody thinks that was the ideas of the original thinker when it's not. It's just the distortions that came later. So there's all that confusion. That's another show, but here's the final statement. He says, this is the way I close chapter 10. And it's a brilliant statement. If you think about it, he says the root of all the human evils and ills, which people exhibit is rooted in man's desire to escape from the responsibility of a volitional consciousness. It's, and volition meaning the will, meaning freedom, to escape freedom. I think it's Erich Fromm had a book called The Escape from Freedom. That'd be a good book to, to read up on to get some more of the psychology here. The root of all the human evils and ills which people exhibit is man's desire to escape from the responsibility of a volitional consciousness, the, to escape from freedom, to escape to responsibility, and to escape the fear that comes with it. <clears throat> So there's Nathaniel Brandon's bit. Took me a while to get through it, but I hope I made those points strong. I hope it helps explain some things in your personal life and also as you're looking at all this stuff going on in the world. It's always good to look at the canvas and the and the roots of things.
And now I'm just going to zip through uh, some a, a few collections of various quotes. We're going to go through Vernon Howard, Arnold Gruen, Aldous Huxley, Edward Bernays, and then a few more from Nathaniel Brandon to wrap it up. So Vernon Howard says this, and Vernon Howard always had that like samurai sword way of saying things, just like straight to the point. He said, we never get upset over what happens. Never. We get upset because of preconceived ideas as to what we think should happen and what we want to happen. When our preference clashes with the reality, we get hurt. So rid yourself of all preconceived ideas as to what should happen. And then you are at peace with whatever happens. Giving you a little hint to like flip things around. He's speaking to the control freak. The control freak is possessed by the spirit of fear. That's why they're a control freak. They're constantly gossiping about others. They're constantly hyperanalyzing everybody around them. They're constantly critiquing everybody. Won't critique themselves. And then they get disappointed at the slightest. Oh, oh it's raining today. Oh my God, it's raining. How oh, always raining. <laughs> they're just destroyed by its rain. It's like, what? You can't adapt and change your plan for the day because it's raining. It's just basic, or we had a preconceived notion about how maybe the 2020 elections were going to go. We had a preconceived notion about how quickly we were going to get all these people in front of some Nuremberg court. We had preconceived notions about all kinds of things on all sides. The people brainwashed by the media had their preconceived notions that we were going to go back to normal. But now actually, as we think about it, I kind of like the new normal of being further enslaved and surveilled because it gives me a sense of security that mommy and daddy are always watching. But then they become attached to the outcome. This is what you hear a lot in the sort of personal development world. You become attached to the outcome and it's the attachment to the outcome that always chases away the outcome you want because you're not open to all possibility. So set your expectations and you won't be destroyed by life. Then he goes like this. Howard says, you cannot stop destructive actions by others, but you can stop your own destructive reactions to them. Again, flip it around. We can't stop the Illuminati and the world powers and the big business and the Black Rocks and Epstein Islands. We can't stop that as just individuals sitting here talking right now. I can't just stop that as much as I would fantasize about being able to. I can't. But I can do this and I can also manage, I can let my mind melt down into despair and becoming a black pillar because of how frustrated I am that I cannot stop the destructive actions by others. Or I can just stop the own, I, I only have rule over my own domain. I do not have rule over yours and you do not have rule over mine. It's mutual, right? We're talking freedom here. And the only thing I control, I can't control you. Unless, of course, you authorize it, right? I have no desire to, but I couldn't even if I wanted to. None of these tyrants can control you unless you invite them in and allow them. Which tells you how powerful you really are, right? And you have this power. And he's talking about it. The power you do have, you can't stop them. You can't control them, even if you wanted to but you can stop your own destructive reactions to them. 
the destructive reactions. That doesn't mean ignore it. That doesn't mean allow carte blanche for evil to continue running amok in your neighborhood. It just means the power you have, which is going to ease your anxiety, is it's misplaced if you think you can just go out and save the world and stop others. That's why these crazy um, radicals out there trying to save the world and all that, like you're, you're, you're in, it's the wrong thinking and it's not going to save the world. It's going to destroy the world, that, that thinking. But if you can learn about what your place is and what you do have control over and you focus on that and trust me, there's a lot already there that you got to focus on. It's enough there in one lifetime to deal with, let alone trying to save everybody from themselves. You can give yourself a lot of peace by simply stopping your own self-destructive reactions to what you're seeing with this evil running around. And when you do that, you disempower that evil. Your thinking is I, the only way to disempower evil is to vanquish it, which yeah, I'm like, I want to ride into Valhalla into the black mists of the abyss with you and cut the head off the serpent. All right. Don't get me wrong, but what's realistic. Let's not jump to conclusions. Let's not overestimate it. We can change this world. All right. But you got to start with changing your inner world and learn what you have the power to change, what you have, what you're, I look at it like whatever you have the power to change is what you're authorized to change. And you're not authorized to change everybody else's life for them. You're doing a disservice by trying to run around, and save everybody. Cause the mandate of every human being is supposed to be, you're here to save yourself. You're here to create yourself. You're here to experience and access this and go through this trial. Then he goes, no one on earth can hurt you. So this is the next level. So this is once you understand those two, now you'll get this one. This is very empowering. No one on earth can hurt you. Unless you accept the hurt in your own mind. The problem is not other people. It is in your reaction to them. No one on earth can hurt you. Does that ease some anxiety? Or does it put a weight on you to go, oh, well, I really wish nobody could hurt me, but people keep hurting me. That means I got a lot of work to do to strengthen myself so I'm not so destroyed by everybody around me. I don't know if I want to go through that work. I'll just default back to my way of thinking. That's usually what people do, but you're not going to find freedom down that road. You're going to be enslaved to others for the rest of your life. And the world will suffer for it. That's why I love that. No one on earth can hurt you. This is the kind of stuff you got to tell yourself. Not, not pie in the sky stuff, but just like when I started chapter 10, there's a little intro there and it's got the uh, song entitled, You Can't Kill Me <laughs> by Rock Narden. Uh, I love the, the title of that. You can't kill me. That's the warrior's cry. You can't kill me. You can kill my body, but you'll never kill me. It's impossible. This is the kind of mindset you need. And then the last one from Vernon Howard, you cannot escape a prison if you don't know you're in one. This is the normie mindset. This is where they're at. They don't know they're in a prison. They don't know they're being manipulated on a psychological level and a biological level. Um, and so therefore, that's why they're sitting there going, what are you talking about? You have freedom. It's pretty good. You got the internet. I'm sure it's not all that bad. This is a new world order. Should be good. We'll be good. Those guys are cool. Yeah, you can't escape a prison if you don't know you're in one. And that's why they designed, they tailor-made it. We'll get to the Aldous Huxley quote, quote, quotes in a second here. They tailor-made a prison for you 
that you wouldn't resist against. Unless, of course, you knew what it was made up of. Arnold Gruen now, uh, he's got a book called The Insanity of Normality Toward Understanding Human Destructiveness. This is like such an insightful read. All representatives of the ideology of power, which would be your dictator, which is based on a false conception of the self that we just went through, they fear people who are inner-directed and have contempt for them because it is a fear that cannot be acknowledged. It makes no difference if one is on the right or left politically. What we are faced with on all sides is an obsession with power rather than an openness to reality with all its rich and vital possibilities. So he, that's just another way for him to sum up the same points that Brandon was making. It's all based on the false conception of the self. Uh, the crabs in the bucket fear the crab that wants to crawl out of the bucket and free itself and there and actually provide a pathway for the others to follow if they wanted to free themselves as well. But they want to keep staring at the shadows on the wall. They don't want to go out and see what's creating the shadows. That's too scary. So they contempt, they have contempt for the authentic, interdirected, intellectually sovereign person. So you're going to experience a great deal of envy from the world when you're on this path. Because deep down, everybody knows they are that hero. They could be that too, but they just want to deny it and run away and hide from it. And you're a reminder constantly for them to get off their ass and make something of themselves. And so they're going to try to pull you down with them. It's just, it's human nature. It's a bigger tyranny than any government in the world could ever hope to achieve. It's the tyranny of the, of the crowd. Then uh, two, a few more from Arnold Gruen. Conformist thinking, which is everywhere, is self-defeating. I think it's pretty obvious. Conformist thinking is self-defeating because it knows only the categories of punishment and submission, but not the potential that lies in understanding, understanding the root of it. The image of the enemy must be maintained at all costs. And for this reason, the quote enemy must never be humanized, always dehumanized. Come on, every war ever fought, what are soldiers actually trained to do? And they come with their own little internal jokes and their own little names. They dehumanize the enemy so that the humans can go out there and actually be physically capable of slaughtering other humans. Because there's this built-in thing where we don't really like doing that. So how do you get a bunch of slaves on the human ant farm to go out and kill other slaves that are getting in the way of people with bigger agendas? Well, you teach them the art of dehumanizing their enemies. Tell me I'm not on, he's not onto something when you look at social media right now with everybody arguing over every little thing and what happens with the enemy, the, it's something in psychology called the object of your hate. Because what that implies, let's explain that for a minute. The object of your hate is, a, that's, that term is really enlightening because it's telling you, you already have a hatred within you. You just need something to target it at. It's rever It's not that you hate something externally. It's an inner hatred that you, that's built out of the ashes of the parts of yourself that you've destroyed that you hate. And you've been, you've taught yourself to hate yourself over this time. You've internalized your trauma. And then what did Yoda say about fear? It's just, a, I know it's fictional, but it's, it comes from old wisdom that fear 
leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, right? So if fear is the path to the dark side and it leads to hate, if you fear yourself, your own potential, your own responsibility, your own inner reality, that fear very quickly gets baked into hate. And then you don't even know where the hate's coming from. You don't even know what to do with it. You don't even recognize what it is. You just feel it. And then you need an external target because what did I say? Humans project. So we project the hate and we need a target. You can't just hate a tree. <laughs> you gotta hate something. And there's a lot of humans pretty easy to hate out there. So that's where you get that. That's the real course of hate. And now then they know how to weaponize this. So Yeah, if you're in conformist hate, you're conformist thinking, you're in a place of self-defeat because you're only in punishment and submission. The image of the enemy must be maintained at all costs. And the enemy must never be humanized. You must hate the enemy to the point where you can't see them as human and therefore you can justify their extermination. Well, who benefits from you possessing that psychology? Who, ben who benefits from the fact that that dynamic is played in all the movies and all the influences to keep you monkey see, monkey do? Meanwhile, there might actually be legitimate targets for your hate, like the people who are dismantling this world and are anti-human and are uh, targeting innocent children and women and people and, you know, there could be a, a proper vehicle for it, but what do we do instead? We fight each other because of every possible difference imaginable to our own opinions, our own worldview, our own, our own, uh, our own blueprint of reality. If I have my blueprint of reality and you have yours, and instead of us sharing and having some civil disagreements on the matter, uh, we just target each other relentlessly and troll each other and end up hating each other we're taking that inner hatred and projecting it to somebody else. And now we have the object of our hate. And that's what people are seeking. They're like, give me someone to hate. Give me someone to hate. I don't have anybody to hate right now. I definitely don't want to talk about the hatred I have towards myself. So let's just find a target, shall we? And there you go. It explains so much. Yeah, both the revolutionary and the conformist depend on the image of the enemy. They need it in order to rationalize their violence and to maintain their positions. Next up, he says, hostility, malice, and sadism are the result of helplessness and self-loathing. He's getting to the, the roots of evil. That they are all produced by ad adaptation to a hypercritical social reality and are not attributable to innate aggression. So he's like, you're, you're you are projecting your inner aggression into the social world. And then you've got all the soothsayers that are expert at getting to pull that out of you and, and weaponize it so that you fight for your cause. They get your hate and your malice pointed at the enemy they want. This is what they talked about in 1984. They had the whole session of hate or whatever they call it, where everybody gets to yell and scream at what they're showing on the camera. This is how they're training the puppet, the, the, the population to to do to continue this because they know that at the root is this already is there so they just have to manipulate that and play on it to their own advantage 
And last one from Gruen, as long as we measure a person's psychological health by the degree to which he or she accepts social conventions, meaning all your social mores, all the, all the things that everybody knows is true. We already know they're all true, right? All the social conventions. If it's like, if, as long as we measure a person's psychological health by the degree to which he or she just accepts social conventions, we will fail to see that under certain circumstances, these conventions demand a submissive acceptance of errors and lies. Isn't that what we just lived through and are still living through? Okay, let's go through all this Huxley now. He says this, people will come to love their oppression to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. <laughs> wow, did the guy have a crystal ball or what? Or did he just also have the psychological manual sitting with him when he wrote his books? People will come to love their oppression, to adore the technologies that will undo their capacities to think because they don't want to think so plug that AI right in intravenously, hook me up to the matrix. I don't want to be a self. Humanity be damned. Let's move on to the future. The deepest sin against the human mind is to believe things without evidence. This statement of fact right there. The victim of mind manipulation does not know that he is a victim. To him, the walls of his prison are invisible and he believes himself to be free. As long as people believe themselves to be free, the people who know the truth are able to, about that, are able to get away with literally anything. And they can keep leading all those well-meaning people astray. And it's so easy. The walls of the prison are invisible. There is no prison. And of course, you can't escape a prison that you deny exists. The surest way to work up a crusade in favor of some cause or another is to promise people that they will have a chance of maltreating someone because he believes there's an, we are just chomping at the bit to beat the ever living crap out of each other. This is an inner, we've done whole, we did a, a show on Unslave recently called the anatomy of human destructiveness, the history of it. That's a deep one. The surest way to work up a crusade in favor of some cause is to promise people that they will have a chance of maltreating someone, to be able to destroy with good conscience, to be able to behave badly and call your bad behavior righteous indignation. This is the height of psychological luxury, the most delicious of moral treats. If we can justify that we are going out and killing, maiming, and raping in a good cause for our our God, our belief, our politics, our country, our whatever, justify all the horrible mistreatment we do to our children and the abuse. But it was for a good cause, right? Teach them the lessons. We like nothing more. But he's saying, I know the truth. Let's take off the fake bullshit mask and be honest. Deep inside of you, built in with this inner anxiety, this antipathy to nature and reality, this fear of life and this envy of those that aren't afraid of life is a deep desire to enact violence, to have the object of your hate and then enact violence towards them because that's the purging fire that's needed to get rid of that fear. And that is literally the mindset of your 
Berkowitzes, your son of Sam killers, Zodiac killers, psycho, the Dahmers. The, look what he does. He eats the flesh of the of his victims. What is that? You go, how could he do that? Is he possessed by a demon or something? He's possessed by a daemon of his consciousness that's produced from this inner fear that I'm talking about. It was a creation of his own. He created it. You create your own demons. What, 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 what if we chewed on that one? All the hells, all the heavens, all the angels and the demons are within you. Yeah, they're creations of your own. At least on one level. So you conjure up the demon that's going to serve your fear. That's going to, that's what it is. You can't wait to slaughter your fellow man. You can't wait to destroy someone in a debate and own them and be right and have everybody clapping and cheering your name at the gladiatorial events. As you spill their blood and remain the victor, they know this at the top. So they'll give you plenty of it. Look how violent all these shows are now. You can't even watch a comedy show without some grotesque violent act happening in front of your eyes. And you're just getting a keyhole into the psychology of the people writing these films now. It's just gone down the down the gutter, man. So don't fall for that one. Edward Bernays, let's go through some of this. He's one of the guys that wrote this psychological man manual for our masters. Men or people are rarely aware of the real reasons which motivate their actions. He's right. He's right. Most of us, and this is why you have to know that this is known by the controllers. They know this. They know you're not aware of the real reasons that motivate your actions, which is why they can subject subconsciously and hypnotically suggest them to you by repetition, by all their means, so that you end up thinking, these are my opinions, I am living my life, I am in control of my mind and my body and my destiny, when you're just a repeat copy of a bunch of things that were installed in your mind. I'm not saying you, I'm just talking about the, the, the slave thing, the people that are entrapped, right? If you're not aware of the real reasons that motivate you, and you're not deeply in touch with that, you're not gardening your inner kingdom, not only will you be controlled by others, you'll be controlled by those inner demonic creations and you'll be guided there and you won't even realize it. You'll think you're being motivated for good. And this is why the, those evil ones that you get on the stand, the people that commit great genocide and murder and all that, they're not up there admitting that they were wrong. They're not up there saying they did these heinous acts because they're, they're not going to give you that. They're going to tell you, they're going to justify what they did. They're going to justify what they did. No, no evil person believes themselves to be evil. There are invisible rulers, he says, who control the destinies of millions. It is not generally realized to what extent the words and actions of our most influential public men are dictated by shrewd persons operating behind the scenes. And they call me a conspiracy theorist for simply reading the manual to you. Edward Bernays, in place of thoughts... It, the public mind, has impulses, habits, and emotions. I like this quote because it went really well with what Nathaniel Brandon was trying to break down when he was talking about the person who's lost in the sea of emotions because they have silenced the inner house of their reason. So they're now stuck in whims of emotion, and that's how they're controlled. Well, 
There's the playbook. In place of thoughts, self-generated volitional thoughts, the public mind will have impulses, habits, and emotions. And then if we can figure out how to tweak that recipe perfectly to get the impulses, habits, and emotions in lockstep with what we want as the control freaks who want to control all those consciousnesses that we dread, well, then we've just won the Game of Thrones battle. They'll give it to us on a silver platter. Free us from freedom, please. No serious sociologist any longer believes that the voice of the people expresses any divine or specially wise and lofty idea. The voice of the people expresses the mind of the people, and that mind is made up for it by the group leaders in whom it believes and by those persons who understand the manipulation of public opinion. It is composed of inherited prejudices and symbols and cliches and verbal formulas supplied to them by the leaders. So he's saying, just hold on a sec. Let me just give you a little insight here. And he's also speaking to the leaders too, so that they know how to do this. Um, when we talk about the people, the will of the people, what are we talking about? Well, if we were talking about a will of the people that was an educated, um, freedom-loving, introspective, psychologically and spiritually empowered, healthy, strong, vibrant population of people, uh, we wouldn't have as much to worry about. But is that what we're dealing with? Is that really historically or presently what makes up the bulk of humanity right now? Nope. So we can't expect any divine or specifically wise lofty idea to come from the voice of the crowd. Because what is the voice of the crowd, but one singular idea expressed by many minds? How can you have freedom? What if what the crowd is expressing is something completely false? And then he's like, well, what if it's implanted? Because he's saying that the voice of the people expresses the mind of the people. And that mind is made up for it by the group leaders in whom it believes and by those persons who understand the manipulation of public opinion. So these are the people voting and cheering and getting in the streets, bar a few exceptions. And uh, we expect, we're going, oh, we want more democracy, we want democracy. Yeah, the democracy run by the mob of people that are all programmed by the controllers, like that don't think for themselves, which is specifically why they want to be with the crowd because the thinking for themselves is too hard and it's too much responsibility to go with it. And so it's easier to just go, oh, I'll just go with what everybody else is saying. What was the slogan again? Well, uh, together, united, we can be, oh, okay, let's go with that. <laughs> All right, last two quotes. This is from Nathaniel Brandon, and this is getting a little more personal and it's also got some good solutions in it. So he says, if you are an adult, this is the discussion you're going to have with your kids, okay? If you're an adult, one day you're going to grow up and become an adult. You are responsible for your life and well-being, period. If you are an adult human, if you are a grown adult on planet Earth, you are responsible for your life and well-being. You can't live your life asking for handouts, mooching from other people, siphoning energy off other people, 
relying constantly on other people for every little thing. The better way to operate your life, if you really want to be successful and if you really want freedom, would be to understand and live with the principle that you alone are responsible for your life and well-being. Now, that doesn't mean you can't team up with other people on projects, that you can't form community and family. In fact, you should because that type of psyche that lives with that will have much healthier relationships with other people because there'll be neither a master nor a slave in those relationships. Slogan of the Unslaved podcast, no master above, no slave below, perfect freedom. Until we get that, we're not moving anywhere away from the tyranny of our time. And it starts in your own personal life. Are you a slave to others around you? Or are you a dictator to others around you? If you're either of those, something has become imbalanced in your mind. And it starts with the fact that you've rejected somewhere along the path, the personal responsibility for your life and your well-being. It's quite simple. So he's like, this is your mindset. No one owes you the fulfillment of your needs or wants. No one is here on earth to serve you. This is, your, this is how you have to operate if you want to be intellectually sovereign. No one owes you. Now, if people want to, through charity, give you that as a gift, or you want to give that to others, that is different. That is not what we're being discussed right now. We're talking about the demand, the coercion, the manipulation, that the levels of manipulation, people around you in your own circles will go to, let alone your top high table people. They're going to demand that you serve them. It happens all the time. People walk up. Here's my monkey. Here's my problem. Solve it for me. Here's my question answer it for me. I'm like, no, that's your question. That's not my question here. Here's 8,000 pages of my pet project that I'm working on that I want you to authorize and, and clap for me for. No, that's your, that's your project. Good for you. Go for it. Crush it. Do the best you can. Like I'm there to encourage, right? I'm not here to live your life for you. I'm not here to give you the, the clapping, the clapping and the badges. I'm not here to fulfill your wants or your needs. I'm here to provide the value that you think I have. And if I don't add anything to you, you can walk away. And there's a freedom there. And we can trade together and we can work together. There's a relationship, a real relationship. Not this fake, how can I, how can I manipulate this person to get me what I want? How can I manipulate them to serve my needs and wants? And, and not, not by any kind of legitimate means, but like, I'm going to go to the, the lengths of the earth to get you to live my life for me, to ease my anxiety for me, to fight my battles for me, to save me from myself. That's your job. This is what the crabs in the bucket are going to tell the strong crab that wants to go on his own. Oh, you have to come and help me. How dare you think that you can get strong enough and go fly your own wings. Bring me with you. you know, well, you can do the same and we can fly together. How about that? That way you're not dead weight. But people want to be dead weight. Too many people. And that's why they're slaves. It's simple as that. 
If you respect the principle of self-ownership, you understand that no one else owns you and vice versa, that you do not own anyone else. Why are we so afraid of this? Why is this not our constitution? Why is this not the world view that we're trying to achieve here? No, we're trying to force convert everybody to our beliefs. Beliefs aside, we want freedom in the world so that you can believe whatever you would like and not be forced to believe what I believe and vice versa. So if we're going to say we want freedom in our society, we can't go around enslaving others to our beliefs and our way of seeing things and our ideas. We can share them. We can talk about them. We can explore them, but we can't force it. Too many people are trying to force it. Why? Because they're afraid of being wrong and they want that. They want those clapping hands. If you truly cared about the subjects, if you truly cared about your opinions and you develop them properly, and you're truly open, you won't ever need a slave around you to just copy everything you're doing and give you the proper support you think you need. You won't need to enslave anybody else, and you will never be a victim to people trying to enslave you. The only option left between those two things is freedom. <laughs> it's, it's, that's, that's it. So I wish we could go to all the schools right now, and I could just walk in and give one statement, it would be this. Hello, future humans that are going to take over the ship of state and our society. Let it be known. When you get into an adulthood, when you go through the trials of growth, of growing up and maturing, and you become an adult, here's a news flash. All of society does not need to cater to your whims and your emotions and your moods and your fears and your desires and offer it on a silver platter and pay your way through life and fix all of your mistakes for you. Only a child believes this. An adult knows you are responsible for your life and well-being, and you will enjoy the process of carving yourself into a diamond on the road to becoming responsible for your life and your well-being, and you will serve this world better for it. Anything short of that, you're dead weight. And you're better than that. You're not here to be dead weight. You're here to alleviate the dead weight. You're here to change things for the better, but you can only change yourself. And you can only change yourself when you become responsible for your life and well being and stop foisting that onto everybody around you. No one owes you anything. No one owes you fulfillment of your needs or wants. No one is here on earth to serve you. If you are, if you do respect and you should respect the principle of self-ownership, which we hear so much about my body, my choice, I should get to choose, except not with the vaccines. Of course, we get to select what we're going to have as self-ownership and what isn't. But anyways, uh, you understand that no one else owes you, owns you and that you do not own anyone else. Unless of course you consent to being a slave. If you consent to being a slave, then yeah, you're owned and you have owners. And you are property, like the, uh, Charles Fort said. Charles Fort's quote for me that I put in chapter 10 was like, I think we're property. And we start getting into some of the big meta subjects. That's it. That's it. That's him observing the current state of the human condition. I look at the work of people like Brandon and all these guys we're talking about as saying, yeah, that doesn't have to be our state. And here's the first steps, at least, 
as to how we get off the farm, how we get out of the matrix, how we claim our freedom back. We understand the simple things. It's the simple things. It's the little things. No one owes you. No one owns you. You don't owe anybody and you don't own anybody. Unless you do, unless you've given your word as your bond, unless you, because then you have to bring in the seven principles of the samurai and the, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the real morals and the values. That's why he was saying you need to be able to have, you have, you have free will enough to the point where you can determine values. If you didn't have any free will at all, no knowledge would be possible to you. Knowledge itself would not be possible to you if you didn't have any free will. It's linked. So you have to understand this personal responsibility. And when you decide, I don't want a master above me and I don't want a slave below me. And then I want to find and align with other people that operate like that. That is freedom. And he says, only this understanding will produce peace on earth and goodwill amongst human beings. Only that, only when the understanding of there is no master above and there is no slave below from my intimate relationships all the way up the fractal to the political world. Only when we get that and we give each other perfect freedom will we finally have the peace we are looking for. Last, your choices have psychological consequences. It's like what we do in life echoes in eternity. Your choices have psychological consequences. The way you choose to deal with reality, with truth, with facts, your choice to honor or dishonor your own perceptions registers in your mind for good or for bad and either confirms and strengthens your self-knowledge and self-esteem or undermines and weakens it. And hence the stability that we cannot find in the world we must create within our own selves. The stability that we cannot find in the world, we must create within our own selves. That's, he's hinting at a superpower that only humans possess. That we can even do that. With the statement comes the knowledge that you are capable of that. You are capable of finding stability in this world. You are capable of creating a good life for yourself in this world. You are capable of achieving freedom in this world. But you've got to get rid of this idea that in order to do those things, you have to forcibly coerce everybody in the world to see things through your eyes. You got to get rid of that attachment. You have power over your mind and no one else's. The tyrant disagrees with this and says, oh, I got power over the public mind. All right. Watch me hold my beer. <laughs> Here we go. So we got to stop behaving like our masters. We got to stop thinking like them. They gave us their mind. Let's get that mind out and put the real mind back into a position of authority. And that's why, like I started out with, I keep saying the way out of this mess is going in, inwards. You will not achieve the freedom we're talking about through political action. There's political fights to be had. 
there's definitely a time and place for that. And there's good people that are, that's what their, their mission in life is. And that's good. It's a part of it, but it's not the end. The end is this, the end is your state of mind. It, every individual, at least if we could get some more, uh, understanding this, we can start changing. We don't even need everybody. It doesn't take everybody. It never did. It never took having the whole crowd or the entire population, all the great revolutions that were actually like legitimate, um, all the great changes, all the great inventions, all the great movements forward were all done by people that were understanding this and they were interdirected and they were empowered from within. And then their projection, because they were empowered from within, their projections, which humans do naturally, as we've said many times, were healthy. They were inspirational. They changed the world. They changed lives. They changed entire ident identities of nations and cultures and everything. Because they, they didn't do it backwards, which is to go externally inwards. They went inwards to the external and they did it right and they cleansed themselves. And then that's why uh, they were so effective at making that great change. And that means each and every one of us can do that. Each and every one of us can do that. You possess this power that is greater than you can imagine. And the dark side of the force is petrified. You think you have some latent anxiety and some past trauma buried away you gotta deal with? These beings are like absolutely terrified Mach 10 level of being discovered, of being routed out, of having to give up their sustenance, which is your energy, your louche. They don't want to give up their drug. They don't want to give up the drug. You ever been in a bad relationship where you just, you finally break away and you realize, oh my God, I was so enslaved to this person. They were so manipulative. And then they're the ones that keep haunting you and trying to get you back. And because they can't give up the drug, the drug was they were feeding off of your energy, like energy vampires because they didn't grow a, They didn't grow a self. Just tell them, go grow a self and call me in the morning. <laughs> so guys, that's what I have for you today. I've gone over time a little bit. I do have to run. I got a date with my girls taking them out a little bit, uh, getting some family time. And so I hope that, I hope it didn't come across too preachy. I wasn't trying to be like that. I just, I get passionate about this stuff. I hope it at least gave you a new perspective, gave you some stuff to chew on and think about. And I hope it helped the process of freeing your mind from being enslaved to everybody around you. And I hope it helps you identify who you are, why you're here, where you're going, what your purpose is, and hopefully how to derive meaning in your life. I gave you the blueprint of the master and the slave. Reject both of those. Find the truth, which is that place of perfect freedom and truth. And I wish you well. And that's why truth is going to win. It's going to win whether we like it or not. But I like it, and it's going to do us good. And uh, I think sometimes that old saying, you know, you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need. That's what humanity's getting right now. We're not getting what we want, all right, but we're definitely getting what we need if you know what you're looking at. And uh, so let's get out there and change this place around a little bit. And it all starts within. So thanks for tuning in, guys. DWTruthWarrior.com is my website. You can get Cult of the Medics for free over at CultOfTheMedics.com. You can dive into some very deep waters with our advanced class over on Unslaved, a few bucks a month. 
uh, uh, it's a premium podcast. You're doing some great work over there, giving you new perspectives, diving into these subjects uh, even deeper than I did here today. So go check us out over there. And other than that, you can get me on Twitter. I am at Truth Warrior Dad. You get me on Telegram, DW Truth Warrior. I'm going to go and post all these quotes for you and some of the video clips I promised. And until next time, my friends, I will see you back here again on Truth Warrior really soon. So cheers, everybody. Have a good one.